time. It's time. So get your popcorn ready. It will be political. Political. It will be biblical. Biblical. We must stay vigilant. We must remain watchful. So sit back and put your feet up because you're about to learn to discern the truth. Welcome to the Watchmen. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Watchmen Podcast. My name is Casey. So good to be back with you guys today. Today is December 12th, 2023. It's actually 1212. I didn't even think about that. Uh, but 12 and 12 is not 24 or 23 is 24. However, this is episode 24 with Jesse. I have Jesse back today. Oh, hello. Um, I know a lot of you guys have been asking when I'm going to have her back on. She's been busy dealing with family issues. I've been busy in and out of prison since the last time that we had a, um, had a show together. But before we get into any of that, I just wanted to remind everybody to please like, share, and subscribe. Um, and where you can find uh, my podcast and my info will be in the description box below, as well as Jesse's info, where you can find and support her, support her ministry, um, as well as um, anything that buying any of her books. I, I encourage everybody out there. It's Christmas time in another two weeks. What better gift you can give somebody than one of Jesse's courses that are available on her website, kingdomlivingwithjesse.com. Um, that was a free commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that was thank you <laughs> and anyways uh you know with their hashtag that's been going on on twitter x whatever you want to call it let jesse speak well thankfully she's on here and when she's on my podcast she speaks freely and speaks about all the truths that she's witnessed and gone through um so today before i get to jesse we're gonna i'm just gonna let you guys know it's gonna be a little bit different than normal because i'm gonna be talking a little bit about what happened in prison when I was there um, in Texarkana, Texas, and um, as well as some things with uh, Jesse as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so Jesse, I mean, it's great to have you back on. Thanks for coming back Thank on. You. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Uh, I want to add, we also have another hashtag going right now. It's all eyes on Casper, and that deals with uh, a lot of the uh, my testimony and affidavits about things that happened uh, to me as a child in Wyoming. So I encourage people to follow that too. And you could read more of those articles and see those affidavits on timothycharlesholmseth.com. So. And, and but, I hope to get into a little bit of that towards the end of the show. But before we get into that, I just want to let everybody know. So I had my time to serve. I was in um, Texarkana, Texas, TCI, Texarkana, Texas. And uh, it's a low security prison. Uh, I was a 10 day sentence. I got out on the ninth day due to the fact that Thanksgiving was on the 10th day and they are closed that day for, you know, letting people in or out. And, um, it's something that I, it was garbage. We never, it never should have happened. I never should have been there in the first place. However, I can tell you right now, it opened my eyes to things that I will never, ever forget. It opened my eyes to the word prisoner. Um, I mean, it, Everybody, you think of the word prisoner, you think of criminal, thug, you know, murderer, all these things. But when you actually get in there, you realize these are men. These are not, I mean, yes, some of them have done wrong, uh, but the the mandatory minimums that they have, first-time offenders that are in there, you know, it, sh- it should just never, ever, ever. Our government's so corrupt, I'm telling you, the judicial system, I really hope there's some way, shape, or form, if anybody out there has any, uh, ad- not advice, but uh, connections to help with prison reform, I would love to do it. I mean, I, I just, I, it's it's so terrible. And, and since I've been going through this, you know, one thing that they reiterate to you and want you to know, and you have to fill out these forms and things, it's like, you're a criminal. You're a criminal. You're a criminal, although I'm not accepting that. But that is something that they keep pushing on you. And so, Anyways, before um, I guess first thing I'll just start with was, I mean, Jesse and I were talking about it before we started um, recording. And so she's like, let's just talk about this. And I said, okay. So, you know, when I go, when I went in uh, the first day, I was telling her that, you know, one of the things is, is that the officer told me, um, you know, I was, I was walking in and I have a podcast that I did a couple or maybe a week or so ago called what goes around, comes around. And that I did just talk a little bit about like my first four or five hours. And, um, you know, one of the things that was so, you know, I had no idea what to expect going in there. Um, you know, I was, um, I, when I first walked in, you know, they, 
process you and do all these things, take your picture and all this stuff. And I did keep my badge. I, I still have that. But, um, you know, as I walked into the first place in the laundry where they call laundry, you know, to get your uniform that they let you, they make you wear. <laughs> and uh, the officer in there told me that um, 70% of this prison is child that he says chomo. And I said, well, what's a chomo? And I, he says, it's a child molester. And I said, you're kidding me. I thought he was messing with me, really. Then he tells me that I have my unit that they had me going into, which was A1, um, is about 70 to 80% child molesters in that room and i said you are kidding me and he says no and uh i mean now on top of being in there uncomfortable from what i even had in any idea what was going to happen uh you know i'm now i'm going into a unit with men like this and so i you know and and and, and don't get me wrong there are there were men in there that were accused of things that are not child molesters in fact they've never even touched a human being uh, sexually in any way you'd be surprised that that they call sex offenders people with pictures it's there's one kid in there that was 19 years old and was yeah. talking to a yeah. 16 a 16 year old and he has got 15 years without getting too much into his story but 15 years 25 years supervised release and a lifetime sex offender and i just broke my heart i could hardly look mm. at him because i felt so bad and I mean, these are the type of things that I'm saying in prison within prison reform. This just can't, this can't stay. And I had asked Jesse, um, you know, and, and getting in there and just, but that was my initial reaction. But as I was in there, you know, I, I thought about scripture, you know, when I think it's in Romans, I think the apostle Paul talked about with, in all these, remember, remember those that are in chains mm-hmm. because Paul as well spent time in prison. He was wrongfully in prison for preaching the gospel and yeah. he, I'm sure in the same way, realized a lot of those guys in there, you know, you have compassion. If you got Jesus in your heart, you ought to. And um, anyways, I had asked Jesse if she knew much about the BOP, which is the Bureau of Prisons. And I will tell you guys, you know, we've heard Jesse talk about the system, how corrupt it is, how it's entangled in every aspect of our lives. And it is. And I witnessed it firsthand that they forced these men in there you know, that are in there for years or months or whatever, you, they eventually, I wasn't there long enough to have to do it, but they make you get a job in there within the jail. And some of them are man- manufacturing jobs. And these men there made air filters. Now this is a 25 probably or 20 to 25 or more. It would be a union job I and mean, it's a factory job. So it would be something like unionized the out- in the outside world. But it within there, those guys can only make 50 cents an hour. And we talk every day, or in politics about China and how China has slave China's paying their people three, four dollars an hour in some of those places. Right for their He's, slave labor. Here, 50 cents. And it's and, and you know, they they turn around, they sell those air filters to the military bases. And another thing they had was like where they disassemble um electronics. So I'm like I said, yeah, things that go back to the military. It's interesting. I I really appreciate that you brought out that connection that they're making they're making prisoners make things that then our military purchases and buys and uses. And we see that same thing is called out by Corey Ten Boom uh, with the Nazis, where she talks about the concentration work camps where they, you know, they had to sew knit socks for the soldiers. She actually, because of her clock making skills, they had her working on technical equipment, radio stuff um, for them. And they would put together radios that then would be sold or given to the military. So, you know, how has it changed? It hasn't like the, you know, like it's still a violation of people's rights and, you know, somebody has to advocate for those things because in essence, you know, I think you've got a fine line. You have those who really have committed crimes that, you know, there needs to be a punishment. There needs to be a way to um, enforce that, you know, they're going to be in compliance with normal laws and things that have to be put in place for the safety of communities so you've got that aspect but then you have those that you know 
just because a judge maybe is feeling ornery that day, they're giving people who have a misdemeanor, putting them in a federal prison, which that's a violation right there. Um, and then they're enforcing the strictest judgments they can just because the judge is ornery or doesn't like them or because they deserve, they feel they need to be taught a lesson. And, you know, how many years are some of these people serving, you know, because of that? Um, you know, I knew one person that kind of a similar situation uh, that came through the hospital system. It was a, um, an individual who they said had molested a child. Um, and from my understanding, it was a one-time incident and that had been in his younger years, but it was now like 50, 60 years later. So he literally had been in prison for one thing for over 50, 60 years. And then um, had some liver conditions that were not like, it wasn't like he had been drinking or doing drugs or anything, but had some liver failure issues and they had brought up his situation to see if uh, he could qualify for a liver transplant. I can tell you absolutely everybody on that team, you know, voted no. And their reason was that because he didn't have a good support person. And, you know, like I was looking at the whole situation, like, you know, like as a quality team, you're supposed to you know, look at everything reasonable. You're not supposed to bring in your own personal opinions or things, um, you know, and without knowing his whole situation as nobody did on the team, you know, I asked, I said, well, he's, he's just coming out of prison. Is it reasonable to decline him because he's been in there for fi over 50 years? Like, how can you expect him to have a support person is that something that can be provided and like it was just like it was a shut case they were like nope and it was like but I mean this is what people are dealing with like who knows what the fullness of that situation like maybe it was like that young kid where you know maybe he was having a conversation with somebody's young daughter or something you know I mean you don't know the whole situation mm -hmm. and you know, maybe it was two kids that were a year apart in age and love and the the parent, you know, the parents of the girl were like, nope, you know, into jail he goes and that whole child's fate is sealed. You know, and once life. you're in that system, there isn't necessarily a getting out of it either. Mm. You know, you're like bound to constant abuse. You know, I mean, I've heard stories of prisoners where you know, those, the prison guards, not saying everyone, but you get a lot of prison guards that come from the sovereign military order. And, you know, what do they like to do? They like to hunt, they like to torment, they like to torture, and they get paid to do it in the prison system. Mm. And there were most of the commanding officers that I dealt with or saw or talked to case, anybody that worked there, you know, I didn't have any issues with them. However, there were a lot of stories that I heard from men within the, within the jail that had a lot of issues. And I'll tell everybody another thing that's just pretty much a disgrace is the whole staff that, that works there, they're all swinging, you know, they're all sleeping together with each other. One woman in there has been married to two or three of the officers since yeah. the time from what I gathered that they, I guess, live on some location close by that where they're, you know, cause it's a federal thing and they're paid for their housing or whatever it is. That see, that's curious. So you like, it, do you mind getting into a little bit more with that? And like some of the things that you heard, because it's interesting that um, like, I guess that would just be one of the ways I feel like that institution is profiting off of people you know, where does the money for that federal housing come from? And, you know, is that through the military? Is that through, you know, states funds? Is that, do they get federal funds for that as well? So, you know, that's kind of the bondage is that you have, you know, where they're, I mean, employees get a lot of things paid for, mm. a lot of perks for that type of well, work. I'll tell you another story was that 
supposedly, I think it was last year within the commissary there, that there were there was five hundred thousand dollars reported missing from this prison. Yeah. They're feeding men in there food that is expired. Not only is it expired, it's expired years, years. It's been expired. They're feeding them meat that shows up in the kitchen that has stamps on it that says not for human consumption. I mean, they wouldn't treat animals this way. You get a water from a water filtration system that, by the way, is covered in roaches underneath it in the filter. I talked to many guys that work in that kitchen. There's, It's supposed to be a health hazard if there's any standing water within a kitchen that you're not supposed to serve food. While I was there, there was time. there was a time for a few days where there was water, two to three inches of water standing because the drain was clogged up. There's roaches that crawl on the food. There's roaches in the shower. It is the most... It's terrible. It is disgusting. They treat these men. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing. I mean, they and you have no rights. You have no. You get. You want to go outside. You can go outside, but it's whenever they have a move. I mean, I wasn't in maximum prison, so I was free to go outside. You know, as long as they allow people out or in. And uh, but but the food. I'm telling you. I mean, it says not for human consumption. Why are you feeding it to humans if it says not for humans consumption? Now, my thoughts were, and of course, these guys don't. Hadn't listened to my podcast, don't know anything about me, but all all I could think about was is human meat. Yeah. I I think you're more than right in that. I really do. I mean, and and the meat that you that you eat is just so disgusting. I mean, I can't even tell you how how bad it is. Um, you know, for I mean, it just doesn't nothing tastes good. If you don't have salt or if you don't have some kind of a um you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, hot sauce or something that you can get from commissary. I mean, the food is just, un- it's not good at all. I mean, it clogs your system up. I mean, I've never had something like was that. It, was it like a weird, was everything, were, was it the colors it should be? No, or nothing was it was like that food. weird brownish color, like all the military food used to be? Exactly. And you know what? They give you say, one of the days they serve pizza and on the pizza, the cheese isn't even it's not even edible i mean they're even some of the some some of the stuff they even sell these guys in commissary by the way selling because they have to have money to buy it that it's expired stuff i mean it's just the craziest thing in the whole world and the the guy said you know i was there for a week and a half so for me it's i mean i put up with it so but if if i was they said like imagine every week it's the same food and they'll serve you breakfast for dinner breakfast for lunch it's the most disgusting stuff the eggs smell like sulfur it's it's so rotten eggs you're eating eggs that smell like rotten eggs it's gross and um i mean i don't understand how they can get away with doing this stuff i I really just don't understand it at all i mean you've got guys back there and then they force the guys that are in there to work you know you the pizza that i was telling you that the or no it was a piece of chicken that was a breaded chicken like a, on a chicken sandwich or something. But the thing about the breaded chicken was that all except for the tiniest little piece in the very middle of it, you couldn't eat it because it was like eating a brick. It wasn't even anything but fried, you know? And then they have their, the bread they serve is all whole wheat bread, but it's the most disgusting whole wheat bread ever. And all they all hate Michelle Obama because they said that she was the one that changed the, it was like what happened in the public school systems where they supposedly, you know, made the food healthier for the kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what they say that happened for prisons too. That some of the foods change now. I did ask a gentleman that had been in there for more than four years. If has it gotten any worse? Like I was trying to figure out, like politically, you know, we had a. Mm-hmm. Has it gotten any worse in the last three years? And he said, yes, it has. The food's gone way down. He said, when I first got in here, the food wasn't like this. It was a lot better. You know, they. Supposedly Barbara Walters did some kind of a documentary or something called club fed. And they shut a lot of things down because they were, she was complaining that people that are in federal prison had it too, had it too well. And so they stopped a lot of the things Mm. because of that documentary is what they tell me. But, um, but no, yeah, it's everything about it. I mean, which all of those are violations. Like it's important to know, um, like the standards that prisons or hospitals or other like nursing home facilities, schools, all of those institutions are held by standards that come down through Congress and through legislation. 
and they're held to those standards. They're, you know, they're held accountable and they're supposed to be auditing uh, that happens every year. They're supposed to have somebody come in who, you know, looks for those things, pulls out files, charts, and, uh, you know, documents the quality. Um, anybody who serves food, um, whether it's a school or a nursing home or um, prisons, they also, in that auditing, um, are, fall under, you know, certain standards where it would be, you know, food quality, which means that, you know, those who are preparing the food or the place where they're preparing the food, there's certain standards, kind of like a restaurant. So all of those things, um, you know, they can be fined for each incident uh, where they're in violation and they can, according to patient rights, um, they could be fined for each, um, you know, prisoner or person who, who they have not met that quality of standard too. So, you know, a lot of our prison systems fall short. They're not even in anywhere near passing. Like they are so far below an F, you know, for failure, which means that, you know, there are certain things that are supposed to happen. The states technically should be shutting them down if they cannot operate that way. Uh, you know, one of the first things that should happen is they should have their federal funding pulled. Uh, next, you know, they get a period of time once the violations are made known, depending on the violation, um, they have a certain period of time to correct those violations. If they can't correct those violations within that amount of time, they can not only get fined more, but they can be shut down. Um, so who oversees that? Um, I believe that the prison systems fall under the DOJ auditing uh, federally. So, you know, if our prisons in our areas are not up to standard, if the auditors are not doing their job, you know, they're getting paid. They're getting paid by the state to do a job. If they're not doing the job, then, you know, do we have a lawful duty um, to call them out on that? You know, do we have a lawful duty to demand that those people resign and to put people who will hold them to account and hold them to those standards in place? I think we do. I think a lot of it's fear. I think that in a lot of areas, you have sovereign military that are running things, at, you know, which is under the brotherhood system. I think there's a lot of intimidation and a lot of fear that they cause that, um, you know, anybody who says anything against them, they then will intimidate and, you know, cause to back down. You know, they're, they're pretty much operating like they want to. And, you know, what is their way of operation? It's a way of death. It's not really correction. You know, correction means that you get a chance to, you know, you're held accountable for your crime, but then you have a chance to repent and to, you know, learn how to correct that and how to live correctly. But the problem is we're really not teaching people in that to live correctly. And in fact, you know, we're putting them in a position, our judges, our courthouses are putting people in a position where they literally are being placed under bondage uh, they're being profited off of, and they're being tortured. Um, you know, that's really what's happening. And, you know, talking about disgusting, also on top of that, inside the bathroom, you have a set of sinks, and then there's, there is stalls in this prison. We did have doors on the uh, bath, on the toilets, but above there is the open out plumbing from the pipes and the stuff coming from the toilets in the bathroom above the, for the unit of, that was above where I was on the ceiling, there are urine sickles as in like an icicle where they've, where it's hardened from the salt on the ceiling. 
I mean, this is within the prison. It's the most disgusting. How does urine get on there enough to freeze? That's my question. Well, How really cold is it, it Casey? Just, Let's it, start there. How what, cold was it in the no, bathroom? It, it wouldn't necessarily that they were frozen. It was more like a stalactite or a stalagmite where it's the salt from the pipes because they leak. Because the pipe from upstairs, so it drips out and the, it's sick. It's disgusting. There, I, okay, I was, so it's more like salt from the pipe and not urine. It is actually or is urine. Is it urine? It, it is urine, yes. No doubt is about it. Is it leaking from an upstairs bathroom? or how, Yes, the pipe, because the pipe there. comes, the pipes are open, you know, they're open ceilings. So you can see them. The pipes within the, within the uh, actual unit to leak as well. They have to, the guys have taken toilet paper or some kind of paper towel that they got and put them on the edges so it, when it when it does leak or when it rains and it does leak in there that they uh you know it catches the water from dripping on their heads it, it's i'm telling you the whole thing is 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 just so it, it opened my eyes to so many things because it, yeah. it's just really crazy and you know one of the I'll, I'll share a funny story that one of the guys that i met in there he's a great guy and uh he was not he wasn't he was in there because his wife cheated on him with his best friend who was his business partner and he went and beat the guy up but point is he didn't kill him or anything like that but point is uh he's indian and because he's indian and now here you want to talk about some serious racism for whatever reason any federal crime any indian or if you're a native you know that you're the government federal government picks up the case no matter what so it's in the fed federal side whereas in some things that are it would be state um, run they don't have these mandatory minimums so he has a man there was a mandatory minimum on the sentence of 84 months and the judge even told him if you weren't native i'd give you 84 months probation but because you're native you have to you have to go to jail i mean this is yeah. outright racism and then so it's just i mean i i don't get how they, that these people can get I, I, our judicial system i'm telling you is just so it's so disheartening to think yeah and then, and then get after leaving there, getting on probation, the things they ask you for, all the things that you have, they want your bank account number, your bank account, how much money's in there every month you have to fill out, how much money you have in your personal, but why is that on the list? Because they have, because I have a fine of $3,500, 500 restitution and a $3,000 fine that I have to pay to the government. So they want to know where you're, every time you spend money over $500, you have to report it to your probation officer. I mean, these are the things that criminals if you've been in prison for whatever reason you shouldn't it's over it should be over when you come out unless there's some reason that that right. you're a security risk otherwise leave people alone you know they make it yeah. so hard on you to go no wonder there's so many repeat offenders because they go back to selling drugs or whatever they were doing they can't find work you can't find a place to live it just goes on and on and on and so you know just it's just i i felt so i mean you know when i left the day that my wife picked me up my kids. So it was on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I mean, I got in the car and cried for like first hour drive on the drive back home because, and she's, you know, she would just like, you didn't understand at first. And I said, there's so many good men in there and I couldn't stop. It's like going to how you hear these stories about these guys in the military that go overseas and they, you know, go do a tour in Iraq, Afghanistan, wherever it may be. And they leave and they come home and they have whatever they call it, guilt, remorse, whatever it is, because they're not there with their brothers or their friends. And they feel guilty that they get to be home with their family. And mm -hmm. that's how I felt. I felt like, you know, I get to go home and be with my family on Thanksgiving when all these guys are going to, that's, and many of them don't belong in there and were, had bogus charges. And uh, all I could think about is that they can't be with their families. A lot of those guys have children, you know, that they're yeah. missing years of their life. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And then not only are they doing that, but then they're being treated and having the conditions the way they are. I mean, I remember standing in line to go outside one day. And one of the inmates job was bug spray, it was spraying for bugs or whatever. And the guy says, Hey man, this is an older man. He says, Hey, could you go spray some of that in our shower? I just was in there taking a shower. Um, and I had a roach crawl across my foot. So, I mean, this is the, it's roaches are some of the most dise diseased animals out there. So I'll, I'll say this in closing about that particular thing subject for, for this time i remember one i used to go out in the mornings and i would walk the track and just walk and walk there was a track outside and i walked so much you know i had a brand new pair of shoes when i went in there they gave me and i walked so much that i walked the bottom off of one of the shoes i had a flat tire on my shoe but anyway i walk and just pray in the spirit pray in the spirit pray in the spirit and i remember thinking you know 
because every when you're in there, everything about it reminds you that you're in prison. I mean, I'm walking around a track that there's fencing and barbed wire all over. So I, I was just praying. I said, you know, God, I just realized like this place is not hell, but it is not living. And not one of these men, I don't care what they've done, belong in here. And it was just like the Holy Spirit showed me this, this revelation of, you know, Jesus went to hell and he took the keys of sin and death from Satan. He got, Jesus went to hell. He saw what it was. And the Bible says it's God's will that none should perish. And, and so in essence, what he's telling us is no matter what you've ever done in your life, hell is the, you don't belong in hell. There's always, you can always repent because no matter what you do, that's how bad it is. Well, that's how I felt about that prison, that it's so bad in there. And many of those guys had been in maximum prison and said that the food there was much better than in maximum. They would get bread that had mold on it and they'd have to take the mold off. And uh, some of those stories that you've heard about the DC gulag with the Jan Sixers, I was in there with another Jan Sixer. Um, he specifically told me all these stories about the, about the guards, just like we've heard bullying these people. And uh, you know, one of the things was he said that they'll have the American flag on their patch on their uniform because it's a federal, but they would have like the black paw over top of the American flag, which represents, you know, the black Panther, whatever it is there. Mm -hmm. And the, and these guards would tell them the Jan Sixers, Hey, we're going to let these other guys, all the murderers and stuff come in here and they're going to kill you, beat you up. And, you know, and they would threaten them and they would let the prisoners go. And the guy told me they would let the prisoners go and come bang on the door of the unit that they're in threatening them. And this is what's going on. And I don't, I don't care what anyone says. None of this should be allowed. This is insanity. Yeah. And so, um, I just encourage everybody out there, man, pray for these people. I mean, especially the J6ers, because that whole thing was such a setup. But I mean, there's so many other good men in, in this prison. And I intend on exposing as much as I can for the fact that I just I don't see that any human being deserves to be treated the way that some of these guys are treated. You know, the guys that they do call child molesters, they have no rights in there. They're not allowed to go in the TV room. They make them all sit at their tables. If you sit at different tables, I mean, within the prison, there's po it's political for whatever reason. I mean, I believe it was God right off the bat. They welcomed me in and were kind to me. And I even had a guy that I met. His name's Chad. Man, I mean, he had me choked up the very first night because, and they know your charges when you get in there. They know. The guards tell them. Everybody knows what your charges are. So there's no way you can lie. There's like already a division. You know, it's like... It's like oh. they're already before you even walk if, in, they've already made decisions on your unit about you, whether you live or die, whether they're going to accept you or not. That's exactly right. And so he took me into his his you know cabinet where he's got his stuff in there. He started handing me a pair of shorts, a shirt, some slides to wear in the shower. And I'm like, he gave me regular soap, not the trash they give you when you go in there, regular shampoo, not the garbage, because you know that he's gotten it from commissary. And I'm like, man, why are you doing this? And he goes, because it's the right thing to do. And I'm like, man, I mean, uh, you talk, it was one of those instances, you know, you go into a situation thinking that you're going to be able to minister to somebody else and you're the one that gets ministered to. I only had that happen to me one other time in an instance like that. I was a homeless guy where I used to work in Florida and he would sit out front and I, he was such a, and I felt so bad for him. And I would go, I'm going to go over there and share, you know, Jesus with him. And I went over and talked to him and he says, he started talking, he always liked me because I would always tell him hi and talk to him, but anyhow, he'd say, he starts telling me, Casey, you know what? When you go home tonight, I said, you know, Jesus, George, his name was George. He says, I do. And I said, you do. And I thought, you know, a lot of homeless people just don't tell you things that that's not true. He goes, yeah. And he goes, do you? And I said, I do. And he goes, well, I'm going to tell you something. You go home tonight and read Proverbs 3. He starts witnessing to me. And I'm like, <laughs> I start laughing. And so uh, anyways, but aside from all that, you know, I appreciate everybody's prayers and support. It, it, it is just, you don't know how much, how encouraging it is. Yeah. And um, really the support that I've gotten even financially is just so great. And I, I, I'm so grateful for it because I don't know that I would be living in a home today if I didn't have that support um, going through all the things, I mean, between paying for going to DC and then going back again and see how they spread you out. And then they get you back from trial, then three months to sentencing. And then after sentencing, it was a month, <clears throat> then you got to wait for jail. And it's just, and now you're, I'm on probation. And that's a huge one. That's another way that they profit off people uh, by making them wait. Or first, it's by making them have to appear in the court. 
I've had people that, you know, have just simply gotten tickets and then um, the officer just has to check a box and, and then instead of being able to pay it online or pay it by phone or, you know, some other way, they have to, they have to appear in the court and then they make them retain a lawyer until they have their hearing, which it could be months and the lawyer retaining fees can, you know, like they're, they could have a simple ticket that's like $180 for, you know, a traffic violation. And next thing they know, they got to retain a lawyer for however much money, uh, you know, for five, six months. And that's a way the system is profiting off of people. And then and, and one last thing I want to say, too, is justice is supposed to be blind. You know, I don't think that anybody should be treated any differently because of whatever your political belief is. But I'll tell you what, one of the guards in there. And it was a woman. She runs the rec center. And I could hope someone hears this to get her in trouble, but she's out there giving her political course. She's a liberal and was giving her political views on Israel and Hamas and all. And I was just getting more disgusted by the minute listening to her. I didn't get involved in it all. But the same lady also, uh, one of the Jan Sixers that's in there, Robert Dennis, is an unbelievable artist. I mean, that was his job. He was a he restores old comics and he made a picture of Jan six and it was like a justice sign. And it said, I mean, it was, I mean, just the way he made the art, it was, it was a nice piece. I didn't see it, but the guys that was telling me the story told me and she saw it and called him, told him he's a terrorist and he shouldn't even do that. And she was going to give him a shot, which a shot they could, is where they can take away good time from you. Like if you've worked According to the First Step Act, I guess that President Trump had enacted, where these guys are able to go to education classes and, you know, they get years off their sentence, and so they could stick you with something if they feel the need to, or if you're out of bounds or whatever you do wrong, and then they could take some of that time back from you. I mean, they can't extend your time because you're obviously not committing a crime, but it shouldn't be like that. That's that's a political statement. So, like, uh, like explain that a little, clarify that. So, like, let's just say you have six months, right? So a shot would be like, you could get like where they're like, okay, we're going to decrease it to three months. But then if they want, like if they are not happy with things, they could make you serve the whole six months. Yeah, that's right. They could take After your- they've already told you, they'll give you three. It's, it's, it really wouldn't be that they tell you that you can, you just have to, if you go take these courses, it subtracts time off your sentence. And so mm-hmm. then if you, if the, if you get a shot, then they could, take the time that you had subtracted off your sentence and put it back add it back on correct and okay. and and don't get me wrong there's a lot of good men in there that are officers and stuff but there's also a lot of jerks and there's a lot of guys that maybe you don't i knew a story of a guy of a kid that same kid that i was talking about he worked in the kitchen and the officer didn't like him and he mistreated him matter of fact even more interesting than that the very cell um, the unit that I was in the top bunk. And by the way, those bunk beds are probably six feet off the ground. If I, I was terrified to fall at night, I mean, you got to, my body barely fit, you know, you couldn't turn one way or the other without scooting back this way or scooting back because you would fall. And if I fell from up there, one, one of those, some of those guys told me that someone did fall and actually did break their back falling to the just concrete. But anyways, um, gosh, I forgot what I was going to say now. About. Uh, you were saying talking about the kid and the guard didn't like him right 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 that the guard didn't like him yeah but but it was something else other than that oh the bunk that i slept in the guy that was there before me nobody had been in that bunk they said for a couple months and then they didn't want to tell me the story at first and i was just like oh i don't care we know what is it the kid that was in that bunk committed suicide in the shower in the unit that i was in because he was 26 years old and he had some kind of sex offense and he couldn't live with himself. He couldn't live with the idea that I'm going to get out of here and be a sex offender for the rest of my life. And supposedly the case manager was disrespectful to him and pretty much, you know, told him that exact thing. And he just couldn't live with himself. And he somehow tied some kind of something in the shower where you can't get out. It's like a slang and you can't get out of it unless somebody helps you. And he hung himself in the shower. So that was the bed I was sleeping in, by the way. But um, but anyways, you know, but it 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 one thing that I can say too is that you know it's like Jesus when he came down to earth. I mean, even though those guys all did this or that, we're in Bible says that we all fall short. We've all done, I mean, enough to where we're not worthy or glory, you know. And when you literally 
realize like I'm laying in there with all these guys that are, I mean, there was illegals in there. There was MS 13 gang members in there. There was cartel members in there. There's human smugglers in there. There's traffickers in there, drugs, sex, you name it. And here I am laying in the midst of that and see spirit of God. And, and some of them are what they would say. They, they consider they're a Christian or maybe they give their life to Jesus, but it's like, you just realize in the midst of all that there's Jesus. It's just like when he came to earth and, 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 and he had to hang out with all these people, no matter how good, bad, or indifferent they were, they weren't him. They weren't perfect. Yeah. You know, they're not God from well, he stepped out of heaven to come down here. And that's what he did his whole life. And I, I'm telling you right now, I, I my whole opinion of t- tattoos. I mean, I'm not a tattoo guy. I never have gotten any tattoos. Don't care for them. But I will tell you this, some of them guys that got tattoos on their face or up their neck, there are some ride or die men that will have your back no matter what. And it's always those guys that surprise you the most at how genuine they really are. And it, it just totally changed because most every single person in that prison, I don't care what they are, has a tattoo of some sort. Maybe not even that they got, but there. Anyways, it's it's a it's an experience that, you know, I, I intend to keep talking about. I'm going to do a part two to that episode that I did before. And um it, it, it this has to change this can't be this way and 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 thinking about you jesse being on with me now it's i'm just thinking about like seeing what you've seen <laughs> a lot worse and i i just it's hard to live it's like so much worse than like the average crime you know somebody in the brotherhood or sovereign military has committed is so far worse than what the normal individual who's in there has committed that's what I was and thinking. Yeah. Yet they use that as a just another institution where they can continue to commit their crimes against people. You know, I mean, literally, it's like sheep to the slaughter. Where, you know, they're they're brought in, and you know, like I said, they like to torture, they like to, you know, beat, do all sorts of stuff too, sexually abuse, and none of those people who are doing those things in within the prison system are really held accountable. Maybe throughout the years, you have one or two who does get held accountable, but the majority don't because they're brotherhood, their crimes get covered up. Um, everybody knows they're doing it. If, if people are forthright that they're going to speak out against them, they, they take, you know, torture that person until they die. Exactly. And the other thing that made me so mad is here, these guys are called child molesters or whatever you want to say. And the guys that are making the rules and the laws up in DC are using children for sex magic, you know? I mean, this is what's unbelievable to me is that these guys are in prison for what some of the highest level people that are doing trafficking children. And here these guys are suffering for something, nothing, not even anywhere near the things that those guys do weekly, daily. I mean, I'm sure it depends on the person. Yeah. So with all that, Jesse, let's change this let's change to the topic a little bit too. You know, I we, haven't had you on in a couple months. We see things that are going on right now. I, you know, one of the disappointing things was that uh, there was a gala up in New York this past weekend on Saturday night. Donald Trump um, spoke. He was the keynote speaker for the Young Republican I think it was mm-hmm. the Young Republicans event. Anyway, I was actually invited to go there. I had a plate and so did my dad um, to go. But because we are on probation, they have a rule that you can't go anywhere for, for 60 days before. <laughs> it's craziest stuff. So we didn't get to go. But that being said, where do you see us, Jesse, politically, you know, with what's going on and <laughs> With these laughable debates that we keep seeing. I mean, I will give Vivek some credit, even though I'm not a fan of his at all. And he reminds me of Obama, but I will give him credit because he is calling, calling a lot of attention to a lot of things, especially he said uh, to see on CNN the other day that Jan six is, was an inside job. And he said, I would have thought that that would have not been true two years ago, but now, I mean, it's so obvious that it was, um, but, but, but between that and, and what you know, and what you've seen, um, with the war still going on in Israel. I mean, it was Russia, Ukraine for so long. We did an episode about Israel and Hamas. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing more and more people talk and speak about how did Netanyahu not know, you know, after, after knowing all the, the, the highest security level. And also if Egypt and all these other people that are Muslims 
are so interested and feel so bad for Hamas and Palestine and all this stuff. Why are they not letting any hardly at all into Egypt out of Gaza? I mean, these are all logical questions, you know, without being political at all. So with all that, that being said, Jesse, where do you see us politically? Are we going to 2024 elections at this point? I mean, I'm hearing a lot of people say December 15th is going to be a stock market crash. Usually when they give us a date, it's not right. And uh, just within the truther community, I mean, I know you've seen this too, how many of them have turned on each other now. I mean, at the beginning, it was all this truth was coming out. Now everyone hates each other. I don't like this guy. This guy's a liar. It's just going on and on and on and on. What do you see us, Jesse? Yeah, and you have to ask why all of a sudden after all these years, why the sudden division? You know, why are they turning on each other? And, you know, why is that? And I think, you know, what have we seen happen in the past few weeks? You know, we've had uh, Timothy Charles Holmseth putting out stuff, uh, you know, in my from my affidavits about Q that how that's connected to a brotherhood order and, you know, what that order was really uh, signed for, you know, that's my belief is that there is that connection. And, and I've shown the connection between, you know, the, our U S military, as well as the sovereign military for the Luciferian brotherhood working together. And uh, when we really look at that, you know, we have to ask really what's behind things. Um, you know, I think we see a lot of people where, you know, what I've seen the past few weeks is people coming out trying to say things that really are against Trump. And, you know, I think that that's something we need to keep our eyes on. Do I believe that there's anything with him? No. You know, I think that they're making up stuff. I think that we have you know, this foreign government and foreign military that have been operating as our government and military within our own country. And that government and that military are not fighting for we the people. Uh, They were using we the people. And in fact, you know, they transferred the whole Brotherhood Trust um, into the In God We Trust. And what are, what, words are they putting on our schools, on our DMV license plates, you know, on our public buildings that are, you know, run by the brotherhood. What phrase are they putting in God we trust? Why? Because they want us to feel safe. They want us to feel like things are normal, that things are good, that we can trust them. But who is it really? You know, we're talking the light side of the system, the brotherhood system. And now's the time you know, we need to not give up our authority. Um, you know, we need to not give it up. We need to fight for how our country should run. We need to fight to be in those positions of office, you know, whether it's local government or federal government, we need to fight for things to be done according to the way that it benefits, you know, we the people. And that means we got to get that foreign government and military out of there. You know, I'm not going to be subjected forever under the sovereign military or the Luciferian brotherhood. You know, that's not how God wants us to run. And, um, you know, in fact, he's called us to rule and to reign with him, which, you know, what does the Lord say in Isaiah 58? You know, he says, what type of fast did he desire? You know, in Israel, you had the Sanhedrin, who had that that form of godliness, just like in our day, there's a form of godliness. In fact, you know, 90% of the Luciferian Brotherhood, they call they go under the term Christian, they attend churches, uh, they're very devout, they pay their tithing, not only within the church institution, but to their Masonic and all their other specialized orders that they're involved in. They pay their money to the humanitarian efforts that their circle groups are supporting. So everything about them has that form of godliness. But what does the Lord say? You know, it's all show. Their hearts really are not for God, nor are they for godly ways. Behind the scenes, you know, they are continuously engaged in evil and doing evil things. And the Lord says in Isaiah 58, 
you know, what's the type of fast that I require? It's that you would fast, that your voices would be heard on high, that you would tear down, uh, the, you know, break down the chains of wickedness, tear the yoke of oppression asunder. Um, you know, and that's how we can know that form of godliness will always leave behind those two things. It will leave people bound in wickedness and it will leave that yoke of oppression upon the people's backs. And, you know, that's not the way it's meant to be. That's exactly right. And I, I, so let's get into just a little bit of it. I know we've been going here for a little bit, but I just wanted you to mention a little bit of, um, you know, the whole second hashtag that you mentioned, um, eyes on Casper. Yeah. So what, what is, what is, going well, there's on? been, a, there's been a lot going on there. Um, you know, as soon as that affidavit went out, then a lot of things started coming forward that are covered, um, on Timothy Charles Let me see quick. If I can just bring some of those article titles up so people can look into that. Um, no, I was just going to say while you were doing that, I was going to plug Veronica Swift's blog because she puts out a lot of your stuff as well as um, Tim Homeseth does. And she's got a great, she's a great blogger. Yeah, definitely. She does excellent blogs. Um, yeah. So some of the things, you know, you've got, uh, you've got Casper Wyoming update, retired general Michael Flynn exchanging secret military intelligence um you've got uh in Mer america invaded by foreign soldiers disguised as independent contractors uh you have iowa interestingly enough in there some deep dark secrets from iowa that are connected um you know basically we have a lot of stuff happening you know i've brought out how that area um Casper is one of the major training hubs and facilities for the Luciferian Brotherhood and the sovereign military. Um, you know, what are they using in that area or what are they doing? They're trafficking children through the school systems. And, um, you know, who are they trafficking them to? It's to the U.S. and the sovereign military, mm -hmm. two bases. You know, I talked about in my experience how you know, I would go to school, I'd be marked present, but then they would, you know, transport me to different military bases, whether that was NORAD or um, others, you know, you've got outside states where they're trafficking children too. Uh, that transportation of, a ch of children unbeknownst to their parents or to others, you know, that is classified as a federal offense. Um, you know, they were um, transporting us to for certain projects, experiments, um, you know, within that U.S. government and military. Um, the other things that were happening, you know, is that you have military facilities, Nazi facilities that are um, underneath Yellowstone National Park. Mm. So I bring out how the Luciferian Brotherhood is buying up property, uh, lands, and, you know, technically that purchasing of land is just for the above ground. But then it's what are they doing not only with the above ground, but also with below ground. Um, you know, they're building these big facilities below ground. And then, um, you know, with those facilities, they they have their own um, weaponry. Uh, things that I witnessed, you know, were how they had decommissioned Poseidon missiles that they filled with biochemical warfare so that if their training facilities were discovered, they could release pestilence in different areas. Um, so it's interesting that after I put, you know, those matters of national security out in affidavit form, all of a sudden, you know, what have we seen happening in that area? Uh, Yellowstone, you saw articles going up about, oh, what if the super volcano blows, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the super volcano is the least of our worries in that area, because <laughs> if that biochemical thing goes off, let me tell you, 
you know, how many states are besides Wyoming are going to be affected? That is a matter of national security. Um, you know, beyond that, then they start putting up that they're going to sell the land. Well, how can they sell the land if it belongs to we the people, if it's entrusted to the states and the people who are in that state? You know, how can they be selling property? Yet we see this happening all over where, you know, they're classifying uh, whether it's personal property or whether it's United States property, uh, they will put a classification on it, um, whether that's national or historical, that's probably the most common is they classify a place as historical. And what that does is that classification then allows them to begin uh, to receive profits off of that property. Um, it means that they don't have to pay taxes and they can put museums or um, you know, have tourism uh, come and they can begin to get, get money for people viewing that property. We have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of military bases that are not owned by the government or by the people. You have the Odd Fellows and other brotherhood organizations that are purchasing the land and the buildings for military facilities and then leasing, leasing it out to the military. And so they're getting federal money through that. Um, but what does that mean, too? If it's theirs, you know, if it's a lease, some of them have shared or dual leases. So that means that they also are meeting on the same properties. And this is how they're getting away with some of the child trafficking. Um, you know, do we have facilities that military facilities where you have brotherhood that are present, where they are engaging in pornography with children, sexual exploitation with children, right on the military facility base, we do. Um, you know, I could name several bases where that's happening. You know, beyond NORAD, you have, you know, the Alaska base in the off of the Aleutian Islands. You have Calderac, you know, there in Maryland. You have the California base off of the Palisades area. Um, what are some of the others, you know, where you have it, you have Quantico, where, you know, I mean, literally child snuff films are being made with military, um, you know, so we have this stuff happening and it's time for us to say, no, you know, we can't operate this way because what is, you know, what does it mean if the brotherhood own that land and they're leasing it out. Well, the Luciferian Brotherhood is a foreign government. Their sovereign military is a foreign military. So basically, how can we have, you know, any national security if we are operating in conjunction with a foreign military and foreign government overseeing, um, you know, our facilities? We can't have it that way. Man, it's so crazy. You know, I was thinking about Fort Detrick too, because I watched a video the other day where Robert Kennedy Jr. I can't believe they even let it out because he laid out that this is where they're making bioweapons. They've been making them there that the viruses don't even exist except for being human made, um, how they're all patented and all she just went on and on. And Fort Detrick was one of the main places where they're, We've been doing this and the government's been funding it. He laid out how Dr. Fauci is the what how he was the highest paid employee in the United States government, which was because he was getting a bonus every year from the military because he was not only, you know, the head of the CDC, but he was also doing this stuff for the mil the gain of function research. It goes on and on. It yeah. is just it's it's, it's unbelievable. They're, yeah, they're I mean, they're joining with the universities, the schools. But they're profiting themselves because, I mean, think about that. You know, they're contracting with our elementary schools to have access to a certain number of children that they're that are in their programs. Um, with that, you know, their teachers, uh, they'll have two teachers that are one will be 
who they call the main teacher for the course but or for the classes but if that teacher then is the one that accompanies the children who are part of the programs and experiments they leave like that's the that teacher is transporting children to this sovereign military in conjunction with our U.S. military. Then the schools are involved because those schools, knowing that that teacher is leaving with those selected amount of children, they have to hire another teacher to, to be present in the room with the rest of the kids because they can't leave them unattended. So then you have the schools involved. Um, you know, the heads of the schools, The is it the administration? Is it the board? Is it the, you know, the principal of the schools? Like who's, who's making these contracts and allowing this to happen? You know, so you have that involvement where the states are contract, the schools are contracting out the children that are in them and they don't tell the parents. Why? Because they're brotherhood. They keep each other's secrets. Um, you know, how many kids in our in our states, you know, just look at your state. How many children in your state are, is this occurring to every year? And once a child is selected for these brotherhood programs, you know, my training was from four and a half through to age 10. So, you know, there were eight kids initially in my group, in my first circle. So think about that if that was just like, that was just a very small area, but mm. there were many, many more children that were in these programs. You had thousands of hundreds of thousands of children that are hierarchy kids in these programs each year. So how many kids from each state are being subjected to that? Um, you know, I think it's a lot more than we think. And, you know, they're being trained to serve above everything else. You know, the United States Corporation, which is run by the Luciferian Brotherhood and the sovereign military. They're not, you know, they're not loyal to the United States itself or we the people. It's always going to be the brotherhood above everything else is who they're forced to serve whether they want to or not. Mm. Oh man, it's just so many things. And it's, and I can tell you now I've witnessed this and it, and it is something, you know, I, you always broke it down into the five different categories within the system. You know, you have the Jesuits, you got the Mormons, you got the Masons, you got the Satanists and the Kabbalists or whatever. Mm. Isn't it something however, every single time you see somebody famous or whatever they are, they almost every, I mean, it is every single time they fall under one of those categories, whether they be a Catholic or they consider, I mean, a Mormon, it's all, it always yeah, is. They've that. gone through one of the departments for their training and programming. Every single one has gone through one of those departments. And, and you know, I will give a shout out to, because I thought it was hilarious, um, was Roseanne Barr when she was on the other night. I don't know if you've seen the clip from when she was on with Bill Maher. I didn't this, see that. No. And this is this is another thing that Robert Kennedy Jr. brought out because he talked about him, the CIA doing MK MK Ultra mind control and how they do it with the electronic shock. And he said, you hear people in the other room, they're screaming bloody murder and they're begging for him to stop. And the doctor's standing there, turn it up a little bit, turn it down, turn it all the way up a little bit, turn it down. And he says, yeah. then this is how. So she was, Roseanne was talking to Bill Maher and he said something to her and she goes, Oh, that's because you're MK Ultra. And he goes, Mind control. And he goes, it's that's MK Ultra. And he goes, Oh, what's that? And she goes, It's the mind control program you're under, Bill. And he goes, Huh? It was pretty interesting though. And you know he has to know what she's talking about, but it was just I give her all the credit yeah. for her because she straight up said it to the, to, to him. So, anyways, Jesse, uh, you know. I won't keep you too much longer, but I do have one more question for you. I get, you know, you hear this word coming out more and more lately, lately of somebody being a gatekeeper. And I think I've heard you say it a couple of times, which what is a gatekeeper, somebody that kind of keeps secrets or keeps, keeps, you know, people out of whatever they don't want people looking into. Is that what that is? Or is that another term? Yeah. You have some different classifications. You have gatekeepers and you have doorkeepers 
Um, a gatekeeper is somebody who's going to keep out, uh, you know, so their job is to, you know, kind of make it really difficult for people to even find where stuff is happening. So, you know, like if we think about it in a local area, you're going to have your local government, your, you know, people who are brotherhood there, uh, you're going to have within the school system, since we're talking about that, we'll go that direction. You're going to have administration principals or higher level people who, you know, are, are kind of overseeing everything, um, keeping a second, second set of books, you know, that people, that the average people aren't going to see when, mm. you know, people for the state come to look at that school everything's going to look kosher. There's going to be, you know, accountability to some extent. Um, you know, they don't want people to discover what they're doing. So, you know, it's going to look like they've got stuff in place, including, you know, pictures that kids have created that then prove supposedly they were there. You know, they're going to have everything in place. Um, so that's more of the gatekeeper um, that could also be somebody who's going to misdirect or give misinformation, um, you know, if things are questioned. Uh, doorkeeper is going to be somebody who is within the system who attempts to get out, but then, you know, they're threatened, uh, they're stalked, they're harassed, um, you know, they get death threats. And, you know, basically then they have to come to a compromise. If they want to live and not be suicided or graphically murdered, um, hunted and murdered usually and tortured, uh, then they're, you know, they're allowed to live, they're allowed to give certain amounts of information about the system or about certain people within the system, but they're not allowed to reveal the whole thing. So that's going to be a doorkeeper, you know, where they'll they'll let them out, they'll or let them look like they're out. They'll allow them to give certain information on the system, but it, none of it is going to be detrimental to the overall operations of the system or the overall people running those uh, operations of the system. Mm. Okay. Well, Jesse, I think that's going to be enough for today. If you don't mind, would you would you close us out with a quick prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are sovereign over all things and that at the end of the day, the only will that matters is yours. And Lord, it's our desire to live according to your will for our lives. And Lord, you know that there's things that we have to go through, things that you have ordained um, that we sometimes have to go through, whether those are challenges, trials, uh, difficult times, health issues. Um, help us to navigate those things in a way that is pleasing to you. Help us to learn lessons that we're supposed to learn. Help us to see the things that we're supposed to see. And above all, Lord, um, we ask that in that time that you would show us what we need to do after that, um, that we may bring glory and honor to your name in all things. We ask this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Jesse, so much for coming on again. Um, good to have you back on. Yeah, thank you. And look forward to the next time. And remember, everybody, ever forget, no matter how corrupt things seem and are and have been, that I still believe that the best is yet to come. God bless you guys and have a great day.